Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series on the hospitality tabletop industry. Now, here's your host, Dave Turner. Hi, everyone. I'm Dave Turner, and I'm your host here at Seat Yourself. We're back here again in Studio B of the Tabletop Journal Studios right here in Baltimore on America's East Coast. And we're here with another new episode in our series called The Creative Spectrum. By the way, this is episode number 82 of Seat Yourself, and we're publishing it on the week of June 29th, 2020. And this episode will run approximately 35 minutes. Our new series called The Creative Spectrum is just that. It's designed to bring you conversations with people from all across the creative spectrum. People whose lives and passions are built around the idea of bringing design and creativity, bringing it all forward in a way that influences, impacts, and inspires each of us on an everyday basis. And I think it's safe to say that these days, we could all use just a little more inspiration, and through their various creative processes, our guests do just that, each in their own and very unique ways. And last week, we welcome the very talented Maham Anjum. And in this episode of The Creative Spectrum, I'm very excited also to welcome another great creative talent, Sahar Medanet, to our podcast. Sahar is the founder of 12 Degrees, a design studio located in Amman, Jordan. Now, some of you may recall that Sahar joined us briefly last year when she discussed her new and creative Sensate dinnerware. This is the new dinnerware design that is for stroke victims, really anyone with upper limb disabilities. The Sensate dinnerware allows for a much more independent dining experience, giving guests who use her dinnerware a chance to dine with dignity. Sahar Medanet's Sensate design has been beautifully executed by the Rack Porcelain Company and is available for hospitality and senior dining use from their various distributors all around the globe. But today, today we want to discuss with Sahar design on a much more broad scale. Today, we want to get Sahar's thoughts on creativity of all types and how it naturally inspires and influences us and causes us to think a little bit differently and to consider possibilities that, well, maybe we just hadn't thought about. And of course, we want to learn a little bit more of what inspires Sahar Medadad herself and her award-winning design team at 12 Degrees. Success like the success that's been achieved by Sahar and her team at 12 Degrees, that doesn't just happen. So we want to learn a little bit more about what's behind all that success. And so with all of that, please help me welcome to See Yourself in our series, The Creative Spectrum. Please welcome Sahar Medanet. And again, I want to welcome Sahar Medanet here with us. She is the founder and the owner and the proprietor of a great, a really interesting, great design firm in Amman, Jordan, 12 Degrees. Sahar, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here again. I know that a lot of our listeners, Sahar, will remember you. You joined us nearly a year ago for a brief conversation about a specific dinnerware collection, Sensei, that you did with the Rack Porcelain people. As a reminder, that Sensate collection is really to help people who are stroke victims or senior dining people, people who have upper limb disabilities. I thought that was really creative. And it was a great way, for me anyway, when you described it as a great way for people with problems to dine with dignity. And I thought that was really cool. Can you give us a quick snapshot? Because I know you do a lot more things than just dinnerware and the things for, with people with disabilities. But give us a quick snapshot of yourself and of 12 degrees. 
Degrees, your firm. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, Dave, I founded uh, 12 Degrees back in 2013. I did it because, you know, I really found the need to have a company that's focused on innovation and design in the Middle East. We design for clients, so we kind of work on three pillars. One of them is designing for clients, and we, you know, we design anything from household equipment to wearable electronics, tabletop, and, you know, almost anything in between. And we come really in any moment of the design process. Sometimes we are starting with a client from scratch. Other times we are, you know, improving something that exists or or helping them identify a need in the market or simply improving their service. It's really about design-led innovation. That's what we try to focus on our clients and we try to help them identify what that requirement is. We also have our own studio projects. Sometimes when we see a need, we identify it through our work with our clients, like with the Sunset line, you know, it was something that we discovered by working with seniors and elderly homes in Jordan. We identified that there was a really like dire need in the market for something that solves this problem for this market segment. And through our work over the years, the company has been asked several times to help in mentoring and training. So we have a, a training arm as well. We work with a lot of startups and do workshops on design thinking and innovation training. Well, that's fabulous because today, rather than talk about a specific design or an area of design, I really wanted to get more into a discussion about you and why you decided on a career of design and creativity. And beyond that, I wanted to talk about what your view of design is and what it can do to inspire others and bring a a sense of optimism and hope to the future. And because design to me and creative people in general have a way of doing that, having us to see things that maybe we didn't think were quite possible. But do you remember exactly when you decided you wanted to be a designer and a creator? And was there a certain match that lit that fire in you? Yeah, it's an interesting story. Actually, I was going a completely different path. I was uh, thinking about pre-med wanted to be a doctor as I was, you know, always quite interested in, in the human body and, you know, and in people in general. But I somehow, you know, when I started university and going through that path, something was amiss for me. It just never completely satisfied the creative side that, you know, I also really craved and was really interested in. So I was looking for something that would balance both, you know, that I, that would challenge me scientifically, but also would give me an opportunity to be creative and to problem solve. And for me, product design, industrial design was really the right solution because it's a it's quite scientific approach in how we look at problems and how we define them. Because you're not designing for yourself, you're always designing for someone else or for specific market. So it requires a designer to really be thorough in their research, to really understand people and to understand how they interact with the physical world around them. But it also has this problem-solving aspect of it. Once you've collected all that data, what do you do with it? How do you take these problems or these challenges and create an opportunity and create solutions from them. You know, everybody says that, you know, university is something, is a place where you discover yourself. And I really felt like I found my passion there. Well, it's great because I actually think that the medical profession, you describe them as problem solvers. And I really think that's true. On a personal level, I always think that medical profession, doctors, whatever, they oftentimes are just guessing. 
Mm-hmm. And they take the symptoms and they put them all in, a, in this in this bowl, mix them all together, and they guess at what the problems are, and they try to go about solving them. So I think it's it's interesting. I also think there's some great parallels. I never thought of it in that way, but I think there are great parallels between design and people who create things and solve problems, as you say, and in the medical profession as well. So that's very interesting. You mentioned before that you have clients and you solve problems that they might bring to you, but you also have certain projects you do on your own. It seems like to me, all creative people have some sort of a process that they go through. I suppose that when you're solving a problem for a particular client, that process is pretty straightforward. Here are the issues we'd like to have resolved. You go ahead and, and solve it. But on another, uh, on another hand, when you see a problem or a project that you have, what is the process that you go about that you might have to go about solving that un, unmet need? Let's put it that way. Is there a particular process you go through that you can describe? You know, this is what they call in the business world design thinking. So we we approach problems by first asking a lot of questions and trying to understand the core issues or the real problems at hand. Many times our clients come to us with a problem and, you know, our role as designers is to really identify if this is the actual problem that's causing so-and-so effect, let's say, on their sales or their users aren't understanding their product. We like to take a step back and do this kind of exploration phase of, okay, you know, you know let's look at it from the user's perspective. And, we, we, you know, the most important thing for, for us is that we are looking at things from human-centered perspective. So how is the user understanding this, not how is this affecting the business? First of all, we try to understand, like, the core issues and the underlining causes that are driving this to be a design problem. For say, so that's the starting point. And once we've identified that, then all the brainstorming and all the concept development and the prototyping and the testing is to address these issues that we identified. So it, it really goes back to that being as the core start of our process. And we test every assumption we make. So we do a lot of prototyping, and we try to prototype as as quickly and as cheaply as possible. This is, you know, an advice we always even give to startups that don't rush to making a beautiful prototype from the beginning, test it out with paper, cardboard, sketch something out and go share it with somebody you know, and just talk to them and have a conversation and try to really understand how people are perceiving this idea that you came up with. Because, you know, there's a lot of issues that come up just from having a conversation with somebody that aren't obvious to you, you know, initially. So, and these are always things that are important to resolve early on rather than after you've launched something in the market. Do you often find that people know they have a problem, they think there may be a solution, but they almost don't know what they want? And you have to be, you have to play detective to sort of draw out and sort of find out the real issue. I know I want something, but I don't know quite what it is. I can't articulate it. So maybe as a designer or creator, you have to, you have to draw that out of the, out of the client. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's a responsibility for designers to really play that role and to really advise their clients in the right direction and at least play the devil's advocate so that, you know, at the end of the day, this would definitely help the client go a path that is going to really give them success and, and reward them and solve their issues rather than just give them some pretty sketches and something that, you know, maybe a short-term solution, but not a long-term solution. So I, I really feel that this is 
part of the problem solving and the design work that's on the designer to solve. Yeah, I like the idea when you said too. also getting some early prototypes quickly into people's hands, getting some feedback and probably finding out what people like and certainly what they don't like about any particular prototype and move the process along that way. Very, very tactile way of doing it. I think that's interesting. Interesting. Before we started today's conversation, uh, you mentioned you recently wrote a series of articles and or similarly talked about turning problems into opportunities. Can you share some of that design and concept of how what, what you meant by that about opportunities and what types of, when you turn a problem into an opportunity, what that does to people's optimism and inspiring people who thought they had a problem and you're going to solve it for them? It all started out when this crisis hit. We thought, okay. The COVID crisis. The COVID crisis, absolutely. So when when this started, you know, as designers, like we wanted to do something, right? We we, we wanted to try to come up with solutions. We wanted to, to act. And we, we made a decision at that time, you know, it's 12 degrees that we would, we would approach this as any other design problem and as any other design project. So what we did was actually spend time to research and speak to our clients and our customers and our friends of 12 degrees and try to understand what their challenges are. You know, how are things going for their industry and their, their business? How are things going, you know, for their employees? So, you know, we spent time trying to understand what the core issues were and, you know, without trying to sell them any solutions, just basically having conversations and checking in on them every once in a while. And the result of that was that we we identified that they, you know, people need to, to be more like designers, you know, today. So designers are trained to deal with problems and to deal with ambiguity and to deal with uncertainty. We start every design project not knowing and not assuming that we know the results so that we know what the core issues are. So we explore, we, we spend time analyzing the situation and, and trying to make sense of a lot of confusing research or analysis. So we felt that the best way we could help people is to look at it from a designer's perspective. And that's why we wrote these articles, which shares very, you know, shares our process and it, share, it gives them really good tools on how to do user research, how to deal with ambiguity, how to analyze that research and, you know, analyze them and turn them into opportunities. You know, because designers are comfortable working in ambiguity, but they also are quite optimistic at heart because we know at the end of the day, with the right amount of research and the right amount of analysis and testing and prototyping, there will be a solution. We can come to a solution that can really take us out of this this problem that, that we're, we're facing as a company or as a project. So that is why, you know, we wrote these articles that, you know, they have, they have really good tips on how to prototype, how to do user research and, and how to work with this ambiguity and these this uncertain times. Yeah, I think when COVID struck, I th- remember talking mostly to sales organizations, I have to say, but talking about the opportunities of COVID. Mm-hmm. And everybody's concerned about the businesses going right off a cliff and all that and what and the nervousness. But I also think throughout all this, just what you did, there's a great opportunity to to uh, take the relationships you have with a client and take them to a level that you never would ever through the course of normal business get to. 
if you if you see it in a certain way and get closer and and this is a big word too, deeper with a client than than you ever would. Just if business was going on very, very rapidly, very normally, whatever, now all of a sudden it stops. And so you have you, you have two choices almost. You can you can stay close to the customer, continue to connect and, and talk to them and understand them better. Or you can worry about yourself and whatever. And, and, and it's interesting that from a design perspective, you see the same thing. Absolutely, because customers are changing. And, and this is an inevitable fact that this crisis has brought on to us. We know that times are going to change and consumers are going to change and behavior is going to change. So this is really the time to be spending our time talking and having conversations with our customers and trying to understand their fears and their needs and, you know, what they hope to achieve and how they imagine the future so that hopefully we're still as an industry relevant to them. Then we can think about solutions that would address these needs because they've changed and that's a reality. And, you know, the, as you said, the, the right time is now for, for people to be more innovation oriented and and to be thinking about you know how can i incorporate research and development in my organization how could we be more design oriented how could we be more human centered you know the user has to be now really in the, in the center of all of everything we do and we think of um, there's an excellent report that mckinsey had uh, published it's called the business value of design it would be great to share that with, with everybody. But it's, yeah, it, it just shows how a design-led and design-oriented companies outperform their counterparts, I think, in their return on investment of over 200%, if I got that right. You've given me a perfect lead, and we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, Zara, I want to talk to you more about how design and brings value to companies and value to individuals' lives on an everyday basis. I know you've designed a wide variety of products and created all kinds of different things. And I want to know more about some of those in, in, that are outside, maybe perhaps dinnerware. But also, in addition to just learning about those products, I want to get your thoughts on how you see those inspiring people to be optimistic and, and have that vision. So we're going to be right back. We're going to take a break here. We're back with more with Sahar Madanat from 12 Degrees in Amman, Jordan. Be right back. This episode of Seat Yourself is sponsored in part by the Edward Don and Company. Everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And if you have not yet signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, now would be a great time to do so. Go to tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. It's a quick and easy sign up. And a great way to stay on top of all the important going-ons in the world of hospitality tabletop. That's tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. We're back again with Sahar Medanet from 12 Degrees, a great design firm, creation firm based in Amman, Jordan. And Sahar, before we left off, we were talking about the impact, the business value of it, but there's also a personal value to the products that you create. And how, when you create products, whatever they might be, industrial products, the household products, what kind of an effect do you want to have for them on an everyday basis for people that, that engage your products? And what type of inspiration would you hope that the people who use your products get from them? Uh, you know, I think as a designer, I always have this sense of responsibility of everything that I'm adding. 
to the world should have value, should address a new value or a new need or an unmet need that somehow is not being met in the market. When I look out at how much waste there is in the world, the recycling problems that we have, I don't want to be an addition or to be, you know, a part of the problem. You know, there's, there's so much talk about circular economy right now. And, and this really goes back to how companies are producing their products and also how designers are thinking about products and materials. So when I design a product, and this is a really a core belief in 12 degrees, we always, you know, need to justify that this product should exist. So everything we work on, we want to make sure that it's, adding a value to customers, either giving them a new experience and also inspiring them to really think about products in a different way. So like, you know, Sunset's a great example of that, you know, where we found an opportunity and we, we addressed it, we balanced it between form and function and we made sure that, you know, we found that there was a market that had issues eating their dignity wasn't taken into account. It was just, you know, focused on their disabilities. You know, how can we give them a more functional product rather than how can we give them a better dining experience? So for me, I've, you know, these are messages that I would always like to carry through our work and have that message be, you know, understood from, from people that use our products or, or work with us. I love that feeling of a sense of responsibility that you, that you mentioned. Um, but I suppose this also, these are businesses that, that are using your products and even you, your own business. There has to be some commercial viability of these products as well. How do you address the balance of sense of responsibility and commercial viability of a product? Can you do both? You have to. You have to. You have to, because if, if you don't, then your idea or your product will never make it to market and essentially won't provide that value that you imagine that it would give to the end user, right? Or to the business. It won't create that impact. So if you aren't looking at the business or the commercial side of it, and you're only thinking about the design, or let's say the, you know, the solution that you're thinking about, it'll stay as a fantasy. It'll just never make, make it to market. And if it does, it, it may fail. It is definitely an internal struggle for for all designers. You know, how do we commercialize our ideas? How do we get them to market? We think this is amazing, but you know, this is something that you know over the years and with experience, you you realize that this is the only way forward. <laughs> the only way for ideas to really to make it to market. There's a very 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 realistic commercial side to it, and, and if you ignore it, you're actually not looking at the whole picture. Well, that's otherwise you're creating museum pieces. Absolutely. Yeah. That, no, I, that's why I, I think industrial design is so cool from a layman's perspective, because you're creating solutions to problems, of course, but you're also impacting people on an everyday basis with sometimes the most simple utilitarian type tools, if you will, or even architects with buildings and public spaces, the influence they have on the people who work and spend time in those buildings. I think it's fabulous. Even photographers, and we're looking and talking to photographers right now about coming on board and explaining their view, because I really believe the, the photographers, particularly in the hospitality industry, which we play in, they are the storytellers really of our industry right now. And I know everybody is a photographer when now that we have all the smartphones and these great cameras, 
but there are some that are just such outstanding creative people that they bring inspiration. And all you have to do is look at something as simple as Instagram to see that that level of impact. But I agree with you. There has to be a sense of responsibility to the operator, to the user of the products, but there also has to be a commercial viability. That's interesting. And how you balance that? Absolutely. Like you have to look at the whole cycle, the whole business cycle of, of how to get this idea to market. Like you said, photographers are a really important piece of that because they're communication, you know, they are helping communicating, you know, what the company represents or the restaurant or the product. Again, I, I suppose as a layperson, those creative benefits, the more apparent they are in a design, whatever the product is, the more apparent they are to the user visually they get it very quickly and that helps with the commercial viability, but it also helps with the acceptance of a particularly maybe uh, really innovative and creative design that is beyond where people might've thought. It's not just a small incremental change. It's a massive change to our, to our type of product, like Sensate, the dinnerware that has the slot for the knife. I wouldn't have thought about that. For those of you, by the way, who are, who aren't familiar, listeners who might not be familiar with Sensate, Sensate is a phenomenal dinnerware line that, Sahara and her team have created, and it's been executed by Rack Porcelain. It's really terrific. And I won't explain it, Sahara, but maybe you can do it a little better than I. But I just think it's so unusual. But when you see it, you immediately get it. The pictures that the, that you use to showcase the product in the literature, collateral materials and literature, really impressive. I want to talk a little bit about also, you were recently back involved with a design awards thing. Your firm, 12 Degrees, has won many awards since it opened up in 2013, but now you've gone back to the Spark Design Awards and you were just actually uh, judging uh, some of those two. How was it to go back and judge an award, design award series that you are actually a big winner in? Yeah, it was actually a, a great. It's like going home, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it was quite interesting to be at the back end of the process and to see how everything is reviewed and received by the judges. But I met an amazing group of judges. And it was a jury um, that they had uh, gotten together from all over the globe. So we had some people from Seoul to New York to San Francisco. So the time difference to do that live was quite a challenge, but some amazing accomplished designers and uh, professors and people in the industry. It was an amazing experience to act, you know, not just to review, to, for me personally to be judging, but also just a conversation about the designs that we saw and how it's from different cultures and different backgrounds. In the design industry, like we, everything is being perceived and, and, and looked at. So it was an interesting conversation. Definitely. Was it more nerve-wracking to submit your designs to uh, the judging process or to be part of the judging process? No, actually to be part of the judging process. See, the pressure was on you. Yeah, the pressure is on us to make, to make sure that we really, you know, with the little information we get, you know, because I know that these designers had put in so much work into this. And we have a summary of, you know, one page, sometimes a video you know, so for you to be able to capture their summary and try to, you know, evaluate it properly was quite nerve-wracking, really, because, uh, you know, sometimes you, you would see, there, there, you know, sometimes there's some clear winners, but it, the interesting part was when you saw that there were some ideas in there that had a lot of potential, but weren't quite there yet. So what do you do in those cases, you know, do you... Yeah. How do you judge them? How do you? It's quite nerve-wracking, I think. You know, being a judge is not easy. <laughs> and being on the on the receiving end of the judgments, 
over the years. Unfortunately, you, you were a big winner. So you obviously were selling the Ur designs very well and conveying and articulating their, their benefits. But you realize how important, as a judge now, you realize how important that is. Yes, absolutely. And how important it is to the people who win. And maybe maybe a bit disheartening to those who have to work a little harder to bring their designs a little further along. Yeah, yeah. We, we've been quite fortunate. We've, uh, you know, we've won over 30 international design awards now. I know. You guys are, that's beautiful. Yeah. Last one was a German design award that we received during Ambient. But so I think, you know, it, it is for sure something that is great to be on the receiving end as well. It's got to help, like any other business, it's got to help the, your business, 12 Degrees, in terms of attracting top talent, because everybody wants to be with creative, innovative, winning people, and yeah. to be uh, a recipient and fortunate enough to win those types of awards. And, and not just one or two different types, but from a variety of uh, award groups, 12 Degrees has really shown its skills and its sound over the past seven or eight years. And I'm sure it makes it much easier to recruit people now. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, like-minded people, you know, that that's really important for us. You know, it's the top talent, people that really, you know, challenge the status quo, that are, you know, have the same approach to design thinking and to, to uh, problem solving where, you know, the identifying the core issues is, is just as important as sitting there and, you know, making a beautiful render on the software. It's really important for me to have people in, in the studio that are thinkers as well, you know, and not just implementers. My team has uh, has always been that and I've been quite proud of them. You know, they, they challenge me all the time and you know, I challenge them and it's really, you know, we always say that if we're not having this discussion internally, exactly, you know, then we're not fighting hard enough for, for the right solution. <laughs> My simple, very simple line for all of that is that kindred spirits, no matter where they are in the world, they always find one another. It sometimes takes a while, but kindred spirits always find each other. So of all the designs that you and the team at 12 Degrees has made, a lot of household products through the number of years, what is the one concept or idea or design that has made you most proud? So I think that's a hard question because I would have to say I'm really proud of all our, all our work. We really do put our heart and soul into you know, every project that we work on. But if I had to choose, I think, you know, I'd have to talk about like the studio projects, you know, not client work because some of it is, is still not, you know, made public yet. But, you know, I think Sensate would definitely be up there because Sensate addressed a need, you know, really human, like basic human need of being able to enjoy meals independently and bringing back you know, joy to dinner time for, for many people. And with the help of RAP, we were able to take that concept and idea and really turn it commercially into a product that you know is being distributed and helping many people all over the world so that was uh, you know i think that's that would be definitely one of the top ones but we're also quite proud of of a project we did recently uh, which explored materials we came up with a new material it was uh, you know product designers designing materials but it was because of a need that we saw that in a country like jordan where it's uh, material and resource poor. How do we take agricultural waste and turn that into a material that is useful that you can make products out of, you can make furniture out of, or packaging out of? And, you know, and that was a huge challenge for us because we're not material scientists. So it really took a lot of research and testing and prototyping to be able to come up with, you know, at the end, prove a concept that yes, you can make a bench out of this, yes, you can make egg cartons out of this and packaging. So it was a quite a challenging project. That's why I'm extremely proud of it. 
Well, that's it's an interesting that you're taking waste, what are traditionally waste materials and making something positive about them. We see the same thing going on a little bit with cocktails uh, and bartenders, creative bartenders are taking things that the pr- previously they've been throwing away and in creating new cocktails or using those to infuse cocktails instead, just collecting things that people thought had no value. Now, all of a sudden they have lots of value and there's less waste. Absolutely, less waste. And yeah, it's innovation. It's uh, pushing people to boundaries and, you know, and, and thinking about how do I combine these ingredients together to solve two things at the same time, you know, create a new experience for, for customers, but still reduce the waste. That's always interesting to see things made from what, what almost is nothing, something that's made out of almost nothing. Last question, and it may be the toughest question, who knows, but we'll see. What is the most important thing you like our listeners to know about you personally and about 12 degrees and that you'd like maybe to to remember about you? Definitely a tough question. We have a lot of tough questions today, Dave. (laughs) But I think, I think, you know, if they were to remember Sahar Madinat, I think the, I'm, you know, a designer based in Jordan, um, extremely passionate about product design and innovation. And, you know, I feel responsible that there's a lot of, untapped potential and untapped talent in the region that, you know, hasn't made it its way over the the years on a global scale. It's really not known. And, you know, I hope to be the one who is, you know, exposing and letting people realize that there's so much pretty potential and innovation coming out from from Jordan and, and from the Middle East. This is, I think, the easiest thing and the best thing for people to remember about me. So you're going to be that evangelist that goes around the world preaching the gospel of great design and innovation and putting Jordan out there. That's terrific. That's yeah. terrific. Well, Sahar, I really appreciate your time today. It's been great being with you again. And while I asked the last question that how you want people to remember you, I hope you'll join us again really very soon. It's always a pleasure being with you. Thank you very much, Dave. Well, that's it for this week's Seat Yourself podcast and our new Creative Spectrum series. I want to thank Sahar Medanet for joining us. And you can find out more about this very talented and very creative artist by visiting her website, 12degrees.com. That's 12-T-W-E-L-V-E-D-E-G.com. And when you go there, you'll learn all about Sahar, but also about her very talented creative teammates at 12 Degrees, all from Amman, Jordan. Check it all out, 12degree.com, T-W-E-L-V-E-D-E-G.com. And as always, we want to thank our sponsor, Edward Don and Company, for sponsoring in part, See Yourself. So thanks again for joining us. We look forward to having you join us back here again next week as we bring you another interesting episode of The Creative Spectrum. I'm Dave Turner, and I hope you have a great week. And if you are here in America, I hope you have a great Independence Holiday as well. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, please be sure to check out www.tabletopjournal.com.